millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hello, you're listening to a brand new episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and this week we're bringing you our review of Don't Worry Darling, plus covering off all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. And in this episode, in Don't Worry Darling, Alice and Jack live in the idyllic Victory community, an experimental company town for men who work on a top secret project and their families. While the husbands toil away, the wives enjoy the beauty and the luxury of their seemingly perfect paradise. But there's something sinister lurking below the surface and Alice can't help but question what she's doing in Victory. Indeed she does. Now Don't Worry Darling is directed by Olivia Wilde who her directorial debut in 2019 brought us the fabulous film Booksmart which yep. we both absolutely loved. And the screenplay is by Katie Silverman from a story by Carrie Van Dyke and Shane Van Dyke. Don't Worry Darling stars Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, Olivia Wilde, Chris Pine, Gemma Chan, Nick Kroll and Kiki Lane. Now, Lee, I was hoping you would let me open with a statement here. Well, all right. Okay, thank you. Thank you for your permission. <laughs> People just have to chill about this movie. Right? I think. Okay. <laughs> so when the spectacle of rumour and on-set scandals, promotional 
tour dramas overshadow a film like this one has seen yeah. in the last few months. You know it will be subject to tainted, maybe dishonest and distracted reviews. So we will do our best to yeah. focus purely on the film here yeah. and share our considered critique. Yeah, it makes it hard for the film to live up to expectations because people are already critiquing it so harshly before yeah. it even begins. And the buzz surrounding this film is not necessarily about the subject matter and the story no. and the intrigue around it. It's what's literally been happening behind the scenes subject to rumour. Nothing particularly yeah. substantiated. So yeah. anyway, let's push that to the side, I reckon. Okay, yeah. Don't worry, darling. At its heart is an intriguing thriller, I think. Mm. It effectively had me hooked mm. from the beginning of the film yeah. through all the filmmaking tricks that they used to build tension. Mm. You know, reflections that don't quite match the person who's standing in front of the mirror. Every time a reflection took place, we glanced at each other. Like, did you see that? Did you see that? There was one There was one moment, mm. listener, where Lee turned to me and said, oh, did you see that? Did you see that in there? And I go, yes. no, what? Oh, it was this. And I was like, I blinked. Sometimes things happen so quickly in this film that you literally blink like yeah. a human being needs to and you <laughs> but, miss it. But it's meant to be that. There's flash exactly. frames. It uses flash frames mm. to jolt you out of your comfort zone. Subliminal messaging, Subliminal messaging, yeah. Mm. Beautiful settings that aren't quite right. Mm -hmm. The film was paced like a thriller, mm. I thought, mm. where these little moments tease that something isn't quite right in victory mm. and then they build to get more and more unsettling. But once that climax hit, the pacing didn't pick up, unfortunately, yeah. mm -hmm. until a car chase scene. And that was literally the end of the film. Yes. Like the very end of the film. Right at the end. And you see those moments in the trailer as well. So you anticipate it coming in the movie. It's, mm. it's very, very late, as yeah. you pointed out. Unfortunately, the third act doesn't meet the expectations of the mm. first two. And it's wrapped up in a way that doesn't satisfy all this lovely building of the tension that was mm. so well done in the film. Yeah, me too. Look, I'm going to back you up with what you said just before that. The film presents a very strong, a very intriguing concept. Yeah. And when the twists start unraveling, the truths, they had me impressed, but I guess not ultimately fully satisfied mm. at the end. And I was going to talk to you about the pacing. Does that take away much of the experience for you? Did you still have an entertaining experience watching this movie? I think I did overall, yeah. definitely. Mm. This is a very different film to Olivia Wilde's debut. We mentioned Booksmart, yes. which is still one of my favourite films. Please throw it on. Yeah. Please throw it on. Booksmart is just this beautiful celebration of female friendship and mm. self-confidence. Don't Worry Darling is about female empowerment, mm -hmm. but a very different style to what Olivia has delivered before. Yes. This one's about overcoming oppression. It just didn't quite have the necessary elements to nail that concept, I think. It had me intrigued with a few things that they start planting early on in the film in the yeah. ballet class. Mm -hmm. Quite overzealous statements that unsettle you right from the beginning. Mm. Things like beauty in control, grace in cemetery, we move as one. Yeah. And I mean, it, it made me question people that get stuck in cults or things. And you're like, how do people not see through the madness here? Mm. Us as viewers on this go, hold on, if people were saying that to me in a ballet class, <laughs> would would I just take that on board and get excited and feel that it was normal? Y yeah, nah, I'm out of here. See ya. <laughs> one, you'd never see me in a ballet class. I can't touch <laughs> no. my toes. <laughs> I really enjoyed all those elements and filmmaking tricks that were mm. used to build the tension. As we mentioned, the subliminal imaging and the flash frames, which is very Stanley Kubrick. Right. So Olivia Wilde is kind of dabbling in this thriller tropes, which I think she was doing a really good job with. She feels very inspired by other filmmakers' yeah. work. Unfortunately, when it came to wrap up at the end, 
I didn't understand the context of the imaging that was mm-hmm. being used in mm. relation to the climax and the twist, which, of course, this is a no-spoiler episode, so we're sure. not going to spoil it. Yeah. I just think some things were thrown in for shock value or, you know, ooh, look how sinister this is and how weird this is. Mm. But it didn't serve any relevance to the story or the events that I could see in the end. It didn't yeah. come together well. It didn't come together particularly cleanly, yeah. if you will. So just to build on that, the film did leave behind many unanswered questions. One, which I is call them plot holes. Which <laughs> is sometimes okay. It unanswered is. questions are okay. And the ambiguity end of, is fine. The end of this film is very ambiguous. Mm. It mm. leaves it up to your imagination what happens next. Yeah. But there are some questions that do need to be answered yes. and aren't. And I feel like there's just moments of inconsistencies and and oddities. You know, there's visual moments that don't really come together in the end, like why they were there. But they're fantastic storytelling tools. Indeed. They just don't necessarily fit well within this narrative. I think that if you put this film under a microscope, it would be riddled with quite a few contradictions and things that don't quite add up in the end. But are they forgivable though? Oh, that's a big question. (laughs) Let's move through this review and see how we feel. We'll find out. We'll find out. There's some really interesting point of view camera work going on as well. Yeah. In the sinister and more energetic moments. And that style worked so well in putting you in this unsettling world, Mm. which is gorgeous on the surface. And I mean, we'll talk about Florence Pugh's performance here, but she carries it. She carries the perspective, what you see, what you Mm. experience. You are experiencing everything that she is and how the camera is positioned and the blocking of that just brings you on this pretty wild journey with her. Yeah, exactly. Mm. One pretty big problem that I found hard to get over Mm. was I didn't get a sense of why victory exists, you know, what its purpose really was. Mm. We, We know what we're told within the community. Chris Pine's Frank gives a lot of monologues about what they're doing there and, and everything. But Quite a few monologues. Yeah, <laughs> but most of that is lies, as we find out later on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then a truth is sort of revealed later very quickly, but I didn't clearly see the true nature of the twist, if that makes sense. Do you think it came down to the scripting? A lot of what he was saying was obtuse and quite florally, where you didn't actually get to the point as to why they're there and yeah. why they're accepting that they're there and what they're actually there to do or experience. Yeah. It was uh, Even when it's revealed to the audience. Exactly. Yeah, there's some red herrings thrown in there that are there for convenience, basically. Mm-hmm. The throwaway dialogue, as we said, added for shock value. Mm-hmm. A character mentions a salacious moment that happens earlier in the film and everyone gasps around the dinner table. And it has serious implications for some of the characters but is immediately forgotten about. Yeah. There's lots of moments like that, unfortunately. Mm. And the dialogue may seem frivolous sometimes, but I Mm -hmm. think every word is important in a script. Yes. And often it's selected purposefully to push either the story or the character development forward. And there were moments where that wasn't happening in here, I think. And in particular with this sort of genre and what it's trying to prove and deliver, when everything is revealed or comes together, you are forced, and rightly so, to look back at what you've seen and heard before. And And bring it all together. And bring it all together. And if those things don't quite add up Mm. and you're left a little more confused, Mm. then it didn't quite get it right. And there was some work that needed to be done there, I feel. There were some plots of convenience. I mean, maybe it came down to editing as well, but I think it's Mm. mostly in the story. For example, there's a plane crash referenced. Random. That basically serves as a reason solely for a character to go somewhere that she isn't supposed to be. That's right. And it seemed a strange choice because then it doesn't relate to anything 
and it's never explained. Mm. Why a plane crash? Why a plane? And why is the plane even there and part of it, if you know what I yeah, mean? but it's immediately forgotten about. It's yes. purely a tool for this person to go out to the desert where yes. she shouldn't be. Can I call out the dinner party scene, which yeah. I loved because I think it was an absolute masterclass in acting, particular between Florence Pugh and Chris Pine. It was a perfect example of gaslighting yes. too, which is oh, really unsettling. So uncomfortable. Mm. But it seemed to come out of nowhere – You know, the questions Alice was raising were valid, but I found them quite abrupt and that there didn't seem to be any bridging scenes for her to come to those questions. Right. Maybe a deleted scene or maybe this stuff all happened off screen. She was asking things that had never been questioned by her in the film prior. And so it was just there as a plot device, that dinner party, as fabulous as it was. I felt, hold on, how did we get here and why is she asking these questions? Because there's been no bridge to this moment. I was going to say, why is she connecting it to Frank, who's the CEO of this company? But obviously because he's the CEO. CEO. (laughs) She's asking him, duh. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about the characters in the performance. Florence yeah. Pugh as Alice. You know, I could watch her cleaning a bathtub or windows all day long. <laughs> she doesn't have to do anything special mm. and her talent just shines through all the time. She's really carrying this film. You know, she knows how to make the daytime feel uneasy, which is something that she delivered in spades in a film called Midsummer a couple of years ago. I have still not seen that. Have you not? No. I'm really keen to hear your thoughts on that because – as beautiful visually and as stunning as her performance is, the film, I didn't love the film. Right, okay. So put it on, but make sure you're not, I don't know, it's pretty fucked to be honest. (laughs) So make sure you're in the right headspace for that. That's my advice I think that's why I haven't put it on yet. Yeah, because even if you did feel good before, you might not feel good after. All right, okay. It'll absolutely fuck with you and rock (laughs) rock you to your core. Okay. But she's amazing, I have to agree. She She holds attention and carries this movie like no one else could. Yep. And Harry Styles is Jack who stepped in for Shia LaBeouf, who was originally cast, and that's Mm. part of the whole controversy that's going on off screen. That's right. There's talk about whether he can act or not. He's a performer. And I've I've always said this about singers and stuff. They they perform, and Mm -hmm. it's a different kind of performing, but it's still performing. So they can always do a generally decent job. Yes. And this role isn't too much of a stretch either. He's a supporting character to Florence Pugh. And I think he did a great job. He is a supporting character. That's the best way to put it. Because I would go so far as to say he had some great moments of importance and dramatic acting. He did. And I was impressed. Yeah. But he was very much underutilised at times. He was there in the shadows. He was referenced a few times. But it was definitely Florence's film. And he was a footnote to that. And I think that's intentional because this film is meant to be through female empowerment lens. Yeah. It's meant to be seen through that lens. So yes. it is the focus is supposed to be Alice and her journey. Yes, and the women. But I also think in focusing that lens so strongly on Alice, a lot of the supporting characters have fallen by the wayside. And this could have been a really strong ensemble film led mm. By Florence Pugh, yes. 100%. She mm. is the main character. Mm. But, yeah, there's a lot of the supporting characters are underutilised. Did you miss them? You you felt like you needed more? Because Chris Pine's character of Frank is another one I think they needed to bolster yes. up uh, a little more. Yeah, he's the CEO of the Victory Project, as we mentioned. He's definitely the right mix of shady and charismatic. But I really did not understand his character's motivation. No. That was unclear. You are so right. And it's very important that you know his motivation. Yes, and here we are unclear on what they are. I mean, you know generally. Sure, but it's not spoon-fed to you. No, but no, but it's 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 not about spoon-feeding it to you. It's just that they don't really explain. Mm. It's a missing context. How this came about. Yes. Well, can I just say of Chris Pine's performance that Chris Pine is tension he in is. this film. Yeah, he's great. Oh, my God. 
I was scared of this guy. Like I genuinely (laughs) was and I thought he's literally at times lurking in the shadows and I was not okay with that. But they could have done more with that towards the end at least. Yes, because – Because he just kind of sat around and was like, what's going on? Like quite literally. (laughs) (laughs) Quite literally just sitting around. Sitting around. Can we talk before we move on too much more? Mm. I do want to know what you thought of the chemistry between Florence and Harry Styles. I believed it in in this lens – them as a young couple in the 1950s who are recently married, lusting after each mm-hmm. other. There's a lot of kissing and sex in here. Yeah. I believed that connection and that chemistry that they had. Yeah. Obviously where the chemistry not necessarily comes undone, but there are things that characters know more about the other one mm. and therefore that chemistry and connection has a wall up, I suppose. So it maybe didn't go to where you think it might go. But Am I see, making sense? I think that's perfect for what you understand later yes. on in the film. Yeah, sure. I think that is perfect because their connection isn't what it seems. Yes. So you liked their chemistry. You were on board, believed it. I think they were really great together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a good piece of casting. I think Harry was good. And just to build on Harry one more time, <laughs> just because I can, he nails the 1950s husband aesthetic perfectly. <laughs> yeah, he looks great. I told you, it's the thing about hair. It's yeah. hair for me. <laughs> <laughs> when he's dancing, when, oh, his hair's flopping all over the place. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. I do want to talk about Olivia Wilde as mm. well. Okay. She's Alice's best friend, Bunny. But again, we've given a hasty reveal about her character and there could have been so much more to play with there because she's a fantastic character. So much meat on the bones there. Yeah, she's a catty next door neighbour, interesting kind of mother. (laughs) She doesn't seem to really like her children all that much. Uh, No, she doesn't. And she makes it very, very clear. (laughs) I loved how sassy and opinionated she was. Yes. Olivia Wilde is perfect in this role. And I was worried going in because I find a really interesting decision directors make to put themselves in Mm. their own film. Well, she was originally going to play Alice. Was she? I did not know that. She was. and then I'm so glad she didn't. No, that would have been hard to pull off. Yeah. Not in terms of her acting. Ability, no. no, but being a director and mm. playing the main role, mm. I think she's made a smart decision being yes. a secondary character. She chose the right character with the right amount of screen time here that wasn't distracting and it worked to her strengths it as, really a, did. as an actress. It did. Can we talk about the production design and the costumes? I'm dying to talk about this. Stunning. I love the design of this film. It's gorgeous to look at. Such an opulent suburban utopia brought Mm. to life in the most gorgeous way with pastel-coloured cars. Before I say too much about that, can I just ask, okay, in the film, in these lovely pastel-coloured cars, the men all pull out of the driveways in unison as they head to work in the desert together. But if they're all going to work in the same place from literally next door to each other, why don't they carpool? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because then we wouldn't have got the beautiful shot and blocking of them all in <laughs> yes. synchronicity, which gave me Edward Scissorhands vibes of, yes. all, of all the men in that utopian pastel suburbia yes. headed to, you know, work, whatever they do. I, I liked yeah. that and I got those Edward Scissorhands vibes straight away. Yeah, yeah. This is filmed in uh, California. California. Yes, Palm Springs. Because Some of it was Palm Springs, yeah. Because there was that really long advert in the screening, <laughs> yes. the premiere we went to, that was advertising Palm Springs. Yeah, I really want to go to Palm Springs now, though. Yeah, well, I it mean, worked. <laughs> I don't really want to go to Victory Town, if I can be honest with you, but yeah. I'll go to Palm Springs. Yeah, for sure. Ariane Phillips has outdone herself in the costume mm. department. I want every one of these dresses. 
from this <laughs> film. <laughs> you would rock them. Like. 1950s is my aesthetic. I'm it's not even beautiful. kidding. I love those dresses. It really suits my whole shape and everything. It's very flattering. I just love the whole vibe, mm. minus the gender oppression, of course, and the mm. societal expectations yeah, of just, the 1950s. Just take them out of the equation. Yeah, but I'll have everything else. <laughs> everything Thanks. else and more. Philip's back catalogue in terms of costume design is something to really admire. And it makes sense why she's nailed it so much here. Yes. She's been the costume designer for Single Man, Walk the Line, and most yes. recently, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Wow. Oh, I forgot she yes. did Once Upon a Time in yeah. Hollywood. And oh. she's been nominated for three Oscars, I believe. And I reckon there's something in here for her at the Oscars next year because the aesthetic she's mm-hmm. pulled off is just stunning. and Would not surprise me. Would not surprise me either. Olivia Wilde has really, really done a great job in delivering a very consistent aesthetic and look yes. through the production design, the costume design, and of mm-hmm. course the way that she's chosen to work with Matthew Libertique as a cinematographer. There are no flaws in the way this movie looks. Yeah, it's absolutely stunning and so aspirational and opulent. Yes. You want to live there. You want to live there. Sort of. But at the same time, it's almost so perfect, too perfect. And that's unsettling. And that is so unsettling. Do you know me? My Mm. love affair with shots that are held, I just love it. And they used it so beautifully here in moments of Mm. drama and tension where they don't allow you to take a breath or to even cut away from a moment of intensity. Mm. And they use that sparingly but beautifully throughout this movie. Yeah, And you know what's unsettling as well is the music design and the soundtrack. Christ. But it's also (laughs) really entertaining. Isn't it? Yeah, the soundtrack is so light and fun, you know, those kind of songs from the 50s and 60s. But the soundtrack's amazing. But when you look at the titles of them, okay, the Oogum Boogum song by Brenton Wood, which oh. is used a lot in the trailers, yeah. Someone to Watch Over Me by Ella Fitzgerald, You Belong to Me by Helen Foster. Holy. Are you getting goosebumps? Yes, I'm getting even more unsettled all, than I thought I was going to be. All of this. these songs are chosen so carefully, not just for their fit in the aesthetic, because on mm. the surface they're perfect, they fit in there wonderfully, but they also point to the broader themes and the story mm. within the lyrics and the titles of the songs when you start to look at it. It's creepy. I love that you looked into that and you went mm. down that rabbit hole. Were you surprised when you found what all the songs were called? No, because I think that's what any good director would do. They would yes. pick songs that not only fit the aesthetic, mm. but also say something. Yes. Now, something that said something so loud and clear about this film was the sound design, Mm -hmm. the chanting, the breathing, and just the noises in general Mm -hmm. were just, oh, like, I can't even think about it. Just, and and I'm like, please stop doing that. (laughs) It just had me on tender hooks. It was just a beautifully realized soundscape. I think Olivia Wilde really understands the correct tools to use to yes. bring this film to life. I mean, as we said, it's a very different film to what she's done before. She's wetting mm. her toes in this genre Love that. as a director. And, yeah, she's done a really great job overall, you know, yep. despite our nitpicking. She's done a really fantastic job. And I think mm. if she chooses to go into this genre again, the next one will be even better because she's a great talent and she has a great understanding of the genre you know, it just comes down to practice. Honestly, I cannot wait for what she's got next for yes. us because she is a director who's proven herself is one to watch and Don't Worry Darling is a beautiful sophomore film to book smart, I yeah. feel. Yeah, very different. You couldn't well, be more different. <laughs> couldn't be more different. <laughs> couldn't be more different. All right, Lee, do you think it's about time we wrap up and rate our take on Don't Worry Darling? Yes, go for it. So Don't Worry Darling is a slick psychological thriller that held my attention and intrigue throughout. Olivia Wilde has directed a complex narrative for her second directorial effort, delivering a distinctive look and feel and sound that are its biggest strengths. 
All the performances are excellent, with Pew and Pine the clear standouts, but Styles used, rightly so, surprisingly sparingly, as we've discussed. Mm. There are flaws, but it is an entertaining film I encourage you to see and make up your own mind. I'm going to rate Don't Worry Darling three and a half popcorn kernels. Okay, well, Don't Worry Darling is not the victory it could be. It takes an interesting concept, one we've seen before, but doesn't develop it enough to answer the hard questions it's attempting to pose. There's no doubt Olivia Wilde is an extremely talented filmmaker who knows how to create an absorbing world and get the best out of her actors, but some substance in the material is forfeited for the sake of a filmmaking style that doesn't quite fit yet as well as the gorgeous dresses do. But this is a really entertaining and intriguing film that looks gorgeous and one I highly recommend you see. I'm going to give it three popcorn kernels. Beautiful wrap-up, Lee. Well, don't worry, darling. It is in Australian cinemas from October 6th. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Well, straight into the news, Tim, and James Cameron's original Avatar has been remastered and re-released in cinemas for a limited time only. And we had the chance to see it again on the big screen this week with thanks to 20th Century Studios. Thank you so much. God, it was good to see this film it on the was. big screen. Have you seen it on the big screen since its release in 2009? No, I don't think I have. No. Yeah, no, neither. I've seen it a bunch of times at home. Did you see it in 3D, the original? Yes, I saw it three or four times in the cinema. Wow. And at least two of the times was in 3D. Mm. I saw it once in South America because I was traveling over that summer period. So I took some of the guys that were on my tour who hadn't seen it yet. I saw it the day before I flew out to South America and then went off to South America for three months. And then I think I was in Chile and threw it on again at the cinema, took some of my mates from the tour. So, look, Avatar is the highest grossing film of all time, standing at, get this, $2.85 billion. It was briefly knocked off the top perch by Avengers Endgame in 2019, but reclaimed its spot thanks to a re-release in China. And now this release prior to the sequel, The Way of Water, which is coming to cinemas on December 15. It's going to take a lot to knock it off its perch again, that's for sure. (laughs) They want to make sure that it keeps the top spot forever. Right, gosh. It's extraordinary that it's held it this long and and reclaimed its crown like just in this cheeky re-release in China. It'll be interesting to see the figures that the sequel does. What's your gut tell you? about The Way of Water. Will it be a runaway success? <sighs> Not as much as the first one. Not I don't 2.85 think just, billion. Just because of the law of diminishing averages. Sure. When sequels just don't always do that well. Mm-hmm. But I think people really want to return to this world. Yep. And after seeing the original again on the big mm. screen, I do remember the joy and the beauty and the wonder mm. when it first came out. I felt that too. 
It really, really pushed the boundaries of filmmaking. How do you think it stands up the test of time, what it's been 13 years since oh. its re-release, well, the, we, the, the visual effects and such like? Oh, I think the visual effects hold up. Yes. They've I, definitely remastered some things, so it, it looks really just as good as it did back then. Beautiful. One thing we discussed coming out of the cinema was what a different time we live in because yeah. this is all about colonisation and displacing Indigenous communities, right? Yes. And a lot of the soldiers who were on Pandora, who were there to mine the materials and mm. are displacing the Indigenous cultures, yeah. are people of colour. I found that strange and it was something I'd never noticed before mm. until we rewatched this because the themes are so apparent here in colonisation and that didn't add up to And me. that's not the problem on the surface. The problem no. is that none of those characters ever question what they're doing. Uh, look, uh, and With the exception of Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, of course, and... God, she's a badass in this yeah. film. Friggin' love her character. I think what Avatar shows, whether it be made back in 2009 or today, is that history painfully, painfully repeats itself. Yes. Avatar is set in 2154, something like mm. that. So it's significantly in the future. We still never learn from our mistakes. So it's purely just highlighting the fact yeah. that we are so flawed as human beings and we just don't give a fuck about anyone mm. else but ourselves. And that's a, a really angry takeaway that I took out of Avatar that I may not have felt when I originally saw it yeah. almost 15 years ago. We're Even just 15 years ago, we're in a mm. different time. Indeed. It makes me wonder what they're going to do with the sequel in terms of story. Are they going to rehash the same themes? I don't know. James Cameron likes to dabble in the same themes in his filmography. Mm. So I'm sure there's going to be some familiarity from him as a filmmaker and, and his stance. Like is it going to be the same film in a different setting? Oh, gosh, I hope not. I think we've waited long enough and he spent so much money for him to just remake his own film. Yeah. Would not make sense. And you me. couldn't do that over five films. No, because that's the plan. There's going to be <laughs> five Avatar movies. Oh, my goodness. Gosh. I am genuinely more excited than I thought I was going to be about The Way of Water having seen the original film. Mm. I'm really, really glad we got the big screen experience and we encourage you to go check it out yes. and revisit it and share what you thought. Well, Keanu Reeves is returning for a Constantine sequel with Warner Brothers making the announcement this week. So the original film came out back in 2005 to mixed reviews but has become a cult classic amongst DC fans since. So John Constantine Reeves is a supernatural exorcist and demonologist who helps a policewoman, Rachel Weiss, prove her sister's death was not a suicide, but something more. It also starred Shia LaBeouf, Digimon Honsau, Tilda Swinton and Peter Stormare. So Francis Lawrence will return as the director with Akiva Goldsman writing the script. No plot details or release dates have been mentioned yet, but it will no doubt see John Constantine sending as many demons mm. back to hell as he can while chain-smoking through the whole look, thing. Look, I really, Wasn't he really going to die? Is that why he was just so cavalier? Yes. Was that the whole thing? He didn't give a fuck. I can't, I'm, I'm a bit hazy on the specific details, but I do remember really loving this film and the sequel has been teased and taunted for quite some time, mm. so this really excites me. Every Everyone wants Keanu Reeves in everything at the moment. So. Please. We love Keanu Reeves. Yes. There has been growing speculation that a remake of the never-ending story is on the way, with a title treatment doing the rounds on the internet lately, getting people all worked up. But this, unfortunately, is fan-made. Oh. Or fortunately, depending on which side of the fence you, you fall on. <laughs> Probably the latter. <laughs> However, all this interest seems to be culminating in a rights-bidding war for the original novel written by German author Michael Ende. 
It's a wonder with all the interest in 80s nostalgia in TV and film recently that this one hasn't been remade yet. Well, I think there is a lot of legal battles behind this one. So right. it's it's a very messy one to, oh, to get hold of. I'm not surprised. Now, in the past, a reboot has reportedly been considered by Warner Brothers, Star Wars producer Kathleen Kennedy, and also Leonardo DiCaprio's Appian Way. But nothing is officially in the works right now. What do you reckon, Lee? Because I, I love hearing your opinion on these things. This is one of my favourite movies. And I've oh. rewatched it, obviously, over the years, but I don't rewatch it all that often because I don't want to ruin the nostalgic <laughs> memory sure. of it. That makes um, sense. Because it, it doesn't exactly hold up the test of time. It's quite old. Right. But yeah, I don't want them to remake it. Okay. You've heard no, it here. Soz Leo, Soz Kathleen, Soz WB. We don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks anyway. <laughs> Thanks anyway. All right. So Mel Gibson has made comment in a recent interview that he blames the Warner Brothers Discovery merger for the Lethal Weapon 5 delays. Well, I mean, that's understandable. It's a mess over there. They want to start from the beginning and wipe the slate clean. So mm. a lot of things are falling by the wayside. A lot of things are delayed. It's going to take time. A lot of collateral damage going on. Yeah, here. but Gibson has said it always takes time for these companies to regroup. So that's been a delay, but I'm pretty confident we'll get this one up on its feet and probably shoot in the first quarter of the new year. Now, Lethal Weapon 5 comes some 30 years after the 1987 original. The series has spanned three sequels in 1989, 1992 and 1998, all called Lethal Weapon 2, 3 and 4, <laughs> with the fifth instalment securing the return of Danny Glover as Detective Roger Murtar. He's too old for this shit. <laughs> well, <laughs> quite literally. <laughs> Gibson is set to direct this one, though, following original director Richard Donner's death in 2021 mm. with a script from Richard Wenk, who did The Magnificent Seven and The Equalizer. Do you like the Lethal Weapon series? Yeah, look, it was what it was back in the day. Yeah, yeah. it was fun. It's a it classic. Fun. It's yeah. a classic. I don't think I've seen them all. I think I've at least seen the first two. I feel like the third has eluded me for some reason. Right. But I've certainly ridden the Lethal Weapon ride at Warner Brothers uh, movie world on the Gold Coast. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's there anymore. It's changed hands a few times, but yeah. that was a fucked roller coaster. Oh, really? You would always come out with a crook neck. Oh, right. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're too old for this shit. I'm too old for this shit. Horror thriller filmmaker M. Night Shyamalan is at it again. <laughs> we knew this one was coming, though. We did. We, we did. did. With his new film, Knock at the Cabin, releasing its first trailer this week. That came quite fast. It wasn't that long ago that we got no, old. Old was last year. Yeah, I think so. 2021. Mm. He, he does tend to churn them out pretty quickly, I guess, when he has an idea. To his detriment. <laughs> to his detriment. Well, I mean, sometimes he is quite a divisive filmmaker, that's for sure. Yeah. So the film is about this uh, girl and her parents who are on vacation and they're taken hostage by armed strangers who demand that the family make a choice to avert the apocalypse. Wow. Quite overzealous premise, mm -hmm. but it had me very interested. Yes. The film stars Jonathan Groff, Ben Aldridge, Dave Bautista, Rupert Grint and Kristen Cooey and is expected to terrify audiences early next year. Okay, so when I was looking into this movie, I was watching the trailer and I was like, is that Ron Weasley? Is that <laughs> Rupert Grint? And I had to just like stare and he's not in the trailer all that much. And then when I went to look at the cast, I thought, fuck me, it's Rupert Grint. Yeah, I don't think he works an awful lot, but he no. is a series star. He does a lot of TV. Oh, right. Okay. Because, mm. yeah, I, I haven't seen him in much and – 
his casting here in particular has me really intrigued. Yeah. Because it just seems so damn random. Yeah. But I'm keen to see what sort of kooky, wacky craziness he'll bring. As random as Daniel Radcliffe in Weird Al Yankovic. Oh my gosh, it's so random. I cannot wait to see oh, what he I brings. I don't know where we're going to get to see that because it's in America, it's on Roku. Roku. Yeah. We don't have that in Australia, so I'm not sure where it's going to land oh, here. Well, but if you know, please tell us and we want to. <laughs> I'm dying it. to see yeah, it. I definitely want to see it. Uh, have you seen Weird Al Yankovic in concert? No. I highly recommend it. Have you seen it? Yeah, I went I went with my friend Brad. Shout out to Brad. He took me and it was one of the best concerts I've ever been yeah. to. It is so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, so much fun. Can't wait to see this biopic. All right, Lee. Well, that about wraps it up for another jam-packed episode of Popcorn Podcast. Mm. We reviewed Don't Worry Darling. And you can see that one in Australian cinemas from October 6th. And as always, friends, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. We are now on YouTube where you will find our latest celebrity video interviews. Simply search Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.